Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the... uh Third edition of the Fun Bell podcast. Uh, I'm Ben Moore. I'm taking the lead tonight uh, in, in a stormy night here in Metro Atlanta. So uh, I, I am joined by the fabulous, as always, uh, Dusty Thibodeau. Dusty? Uh, I don't know what I did that was fabulous, but uh, thank you. And uh, I'm glad that we didn't get canceled after calling Dion Dion. And also, uh, no one from Lafayette has showed up at my house yet for calling them Lafayette. It's early. It's only three episodes in. And of course, uh, the fabulous Jeremy Harper as well. What's going on, Jeremy? How you doing, man? Doing very well. Glad to be back on. Trying not to uh, create any t- turmoil or controversy tonight. We got we got some guests this episode, fellas. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, our uh, our uh, podcast gets a little bigger and stronger and uh, smarter. Uh, we've learned real quick. We got Doug Conkle of uh, the fabulous twenty four seven Sports Network of uh, Jags Jungle as well as Craig Stevenson, uh, who covers South Alabama. So it's going to be a South Alabama-heavy uh, podcast show this evening. So uh, just to let you know there, there's a lot going on down there in low, lower Alabama, L.A., as we, we call it over here in Georgia. Uh, so uh, thanks to Doug and Craig for joining us. And uh, I guess we'll start with Doug and, and, and go from there. Uh, new, new coach, a uh, lot of excitement down there in South Alabama, brand-new digs, brand-new facilities. Uh, what, what has, uh, coach Kane, uh, brought so far, uh, to, to mobile and, and, uh, in basically his, his first few months. Well, first off, fellas, there are a few seminal moments in a man's life. I mean, he's born, um, you know, he, he, he graduates high school and college. He finds a woman, he marries her, he has children. These are great things, but they don't really peak until they make the Sunbelt podcast. So thank you so much for bringing me on. And really, you've completed my life. And at this point, it's all downhill, but tonight is going to be great. Um, to answer your question, Kane Womack, 33 years old, youngest FBS coach in FBS football. I guess that makes sense. Um, and I tell you what, guys, he's, he's exactly what you would expect from the youngest football coach in FBS football. He is young, energetic, magnetic. Um, we, there are pictures of him wrestling a linebacker, Riley, Riley Cole, in a hotel room the night before the draft is there waiting to see if he's going to get picked or not. He's just, uh, he's won over the community, certainly run over the roster. And from the few players I've talked to holdovers and new guys who joined the team, they said that the, uh, 
the, the feeling around the program and the enthusiasm on the team is, is unmatched in any of their uh, tenures they've been there. Well, I know there's a lot of uh, expectations now, obviously, on a, on a coach that has been there before in Mobile. We know uh, by the Steve Campbell era not going so great, um, but bringing back someone basically from the Big Ten and, and coming from a school, honestly, that had a great defense. And uh, you mentioned the roster as well. We were talking about it a little bit uh, off air. The amount of transfers is uh, mind boggling. Uh, so the coaching staff has, uh, has certainly mined the transfer portal well. And uh, what, what's the number as of today? I haven't, I haven't checked the latest on how many uh, transfers have, have come down to uh, found their way to Mobile. Now, now, Craig will have a different number for you. Um, but the number on that is 15. I got us at 15 transfers that are coming in. Um, and that's not counting one guy who is a walk-on. He was a walk-on in Tennessee, and he's walking on in South Alabama. Not counting him. There are three guys, probably two guys who are walk-ons, um, that's going to be uh, Hunter Jack Martin coming in from Alabama and kicker Barrett Pickering from Nebraska. But everybody else is scholarship and all are expected to contribute. And many will be starters. You know, Craig had uh, had reported on a couple guys that had just come in. You said everybody's going to contribute in some way. Two of those guys are Intanza Bonger from TCU and Keyshawn Brown from Texas A&M. Are those guys going to be instant contributors, or uh, do we know enough about those guys to even know? Well, I can tell you from in terms of Brown, who's a linebacker, um, South Alabama feels they're already really set at linebacker with uh, A.J. DeShazer and Quentin Wilfon, and they got pretty good depth there, too. They think Brown's going to come in and provide depth there, play special teams for him to begin with. Um, he's a four-for-four four guy, though, and he's going to be playing behind uh, there's several guys in that rotation who are six-year seniors or fifth-year seniors. So he'll get a chance to start going forward. I don't think he'll start this year. Now, Vonger comes in at safety. And I don't want to get you bogged down too much in the weeds here, but but Kane Womack's defense, the Swarm D, that is basically a, developed from the defense his father, Dave Womack, ran, which I know you Arkansas State guys remember Dave Womack. He's one of the, one of the well-traveled defensive coordinators in college football in the last two or three decades. Um, this defense – asks a lot of safeties. It's very safety-centric. Um, it's why Jeremy Reeves was a defensive player of the year back when Kane Womack was a defensive coordinator at South Alabama. They play what's called a vision defense, which is basically the safeties run to a predetermined spot, turn, look at the quarterback, and then react accordingly according to what they're seeing. So safeties are a big deal. Smart safeties, experienced safeties are especially helpful. So Vonger's going to get a chance to come in and contribute right away, perhaps break in the starting rotation. But they got quite a few bodies there now, so we'll see if he manages to be the guy who comes out on top. So shifting gears, though, on, on the offensive side, to me the big name that really caught my attention, Jake Bentley, transfer from South Carolina in Utah. This guy's like a, a phenomenal quarterback there, 8,400 yards, passing ninth currently in the NCAA, probably going to wind up in the top five. What's the backstory there, Craig, if you want to jump in on that and just kind of tell us that. How did he wind up in, in good old lower Alabama and, and, and the Jack? Yeah, well, he played his up to his junior year of high school in the state of Alabama at Opelika High School. Uh, his Opelika, dad, Opelika, by the way. Yeah, uh, his dad, Bobby, who was a longtime South Carolina high school football coach, got a job on Gus Malzahn's staff. So he was in Alabama, familiar with the state. He actually had an older brother at one time who was at Troy. I don't think he's there anymore, was on the football staff there. But anyway, it basically comes down to Major Applewhite, I think. Uh, there's some connection there. And the idea of just, you know, looking for a place to play, uh, 
in a place he's familiar with and major Applewhite being a big name, a big draw in terms of working with quarterbacks. It's almost like, uh, you know, as soon as they got the job, Jake Bentley was one of the guys they started looking at. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, he uh, I've seen some, some of the transfer lists around the country and he's not rated very high, which really seems odd to me when you talk about a guy who threw for 7,500 yards in the sec. I mean, I, I, at this, uh, at the Sun Belt level, I think that if you have a difference maker at quarterback, you can win. I don't think you can win if you don't have one. Um, and he seems to me like he can be that guy. Now, he's only a one year guy. Obviously, it's not some guy you can build the program around for the next three or four years, like some of the other transfers. Uh, Doug mentioned there are a few that actually have three and four years left. But uh, I, I, you know, considering what South Alabama has at receiver, uh, I, I don't see any way if he stays healthy, he doesn't come in and have a big year. Craig, you mentioned receiver, and there is a guy on the stat or on the receiving core of South Alabama that haunts my every waking moment. <laughs> he put up three TDs and 250 yards last year on the Red Wolves. Jalen Tolbert is Bentley going to make him even better, or is it possible that 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 he can get any better? Well, hold on a second. He had four touchdowns the year before that. Let's not forget that game. <laughs> I wanted <laughs> so, to forget. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's possible. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest uh, recruiting wins of the offseason, as well as they've been doing bringing guys in, I think another big win was keeping Jalen Tolbert in Mobile because there were programs coming after him in this state um, in particular. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it was pointed out to me that, uh, you know, uh, South Alabama essentially is running Alabama's offense. And maybe if Alabama had realized that, they'd have taken a real shot at bringing Jalen Tolbert in. But, um, yeah, he, he's really, really good. Obviously, you know, has been a contributor since day one. Would have played as a true freshman, but got hurt uh, in a scrimmage, in a preseason scrimmage. So that gave, you know, gave him what has amounted to an extra year. And uh, there's some other talent at receivers as well. Jalen Wayne, a guy uh, who has been a contributor. Uh, Cade Sutherland is another. Colin Lacey's a young guy they really like, and then uh, they brought in um, Alan Daly, who is a uh, who was a starter at Kentucky last year. I mean, you know, Kentucky's not known as a great uh, throw the ball down the field team, but if you can start in the SEC, you can certainly play well in the Sun Belt. So I think they're going to have some weapons. Um, you know, at least in the passing game, running back is a is a you know something they got to get sorted out, and obviously, offensive line has been a real issue for this team for as long as I've been covering them, which goes back to 2015. Um, but they do like the talent they have there. They brought in a bunch of guys that uh, probably at least three of the five that they brought in are going to be, I would say, instant starters. The Jagger last year really struggled, though, kind of mixing it up and getting that running game going. I mean, they yeah. were horrible on the ground. I mean, 2.9 yards of carry, and then their leading rusher, as if that wasn't bad enough, already hit the portal. I didn't really see where he had landed anywhere, uh, Carlos Davis. Well, he's got some legal issues to sort out before he goes somewhere, I think. Well, you know, I mean, guys. everybody got some stink. <laughs> um, yeah, not, not as good as his stink. His stink is real good. Oh. Um, another guy, too, Dwayne Betts, is another guy got some legal issues to right. work out. Yeah, and like I think – sorry, Doug. I think that that's a big part of Vongor, you know, with Betts being gone, Vongor is going to have a real chance to contribute. Be, and it may be the reason they got Vongor be honest with you mm -hmm. so uh you guys uh or you guys but south alabama kind of opened their stadium last year hancock whitney uh moved out of uh the 
one of my favorite stadiums of all time, Lad Peoples. I know some people think I'm, I kid about that, but I love Lad Peoples. Now you've got this brand new stadium, state of the art. You played last year, but it didn't quite feel right. Is is now playing before home crowds? Is it, is it feel more like this is the christening year for Hancock Whitney? Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. It was definitely a soft open last year. Um, you know, they weren't able to do weren't able to get the students involved, weren't able to have the pregame ceremonies and weren't able to have the, you know, let's bring the booster down and give them, you know, have them present the check at halftime or let's bring the softball or baseball team onto the field and honor them. And we weren't able to do any of that stuff. And uh, you had, uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of a crowd experience, especially early in the year when they were playing well. That two-lane game, even though it was only, you know, 6,500 people there, was a really nice atmosphere. Uh, they had the senior bowl there. They were able to, you know, get the crowd involved there the spring game it was terrible weather and then it got cut short so you really didn't know much about that so yeah i'm really looking forward to september 4th to see what things are going to be like there on campus where the you can walk out of the frat house and walk about 100 yards and you're in the stadium and uh it really is something they've not had here and uh, i think it's something that everybody's really looking forward to yeah craig you're right the way you say it's a soft open it was you know family and friends and free appetizers and drinks kind of a thing it was Really, really small crowds and just getting used to it. But, you know, on the bright side, I didn't get learned a lot about traffic flow and, and things like that. They had to get straight for it. So it should be a pretty good year. You know, obviously, uh, the Delta variant angle is is popping things up a little bit. I've got some people concerned on my message board about if their seats are going to move or if they're going to have to, oh, God forbid, wear masks. But that could all happen. Um, but, but nevertheless, I think they're going to try to go for full capacity. And they may get it for that opener against Southern Miss. I like to think that, you know, the good old New Orleans Saints fans were ahead of their time wearing masks at games. So, you know, it's really nothing <laughs> new for, for football. It's just now making its way down to the college game. Well, um, you know, Mardi, and Mobile's a Mardi Gras town, too, so people are used to wearing masks around here, although you wouldn't know it. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited that the stadium moves so you don't have to also dodge bullets while you're going to the game and, you know, all that. I mean, it added a, a, a sense of excitement post-game of, you know, how quickly can we get to the car or, you know, what's it going to be like. Um, Dusty, are you busting on lad peoples? I have. I, I, I don't have I'll, that here. <laughs> I, yeah, it's not in. Well, let's be honest here. I've been going to lad for for thirty something years. I've never had an issue there. I know they had a shooting, uh, what two years ago. So I can't. I mean, or last year, whenever it was. So, you know, it's probably not the best time to be defending the old place. But <laughs> it, it, the the issue is not. It, you know, it's in a. It's not in a great neighborhood. It's old. The biggest problem with that place, though, was inside the stadium. Not just the seating areas, not just the concession stands and the bathrooms, but the locker rooms had not been upgraded in, in 40 years. Yeah. And that was the biggest problem. And, you know, that's a big part of why the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, had a lot of issues with the place, too. Um, and, and it's just, you know, in addition to the benefits of being on campus, just having a new place is really nice. I mean, you know, um, like I said, it gets a bad rap for some reasons, but the fact that it had not, it was not state of the art in any way. The fact that South Alabama had to bring their own video message board to their own home games and, and pay for it, by the way, um, was not really a good situation at all. I'm looking forward to going there. Jeremy said he was going to make a road trip with me, um, but I, I never know with him. Um, got some exciting games. Uh, I think that that opener there, Southern Miss week one is, is, is going to be a good one. Uh, always good to play Conference USA. Always good to try to get the wins there against the other G5. Your thoughts on the the schedule and especially that uh, that home opener? 
Uh, this year, it's it's Southern Miss makes it good, but then you've got a couple of the of the games you you think would be you you'd rather they be on the road. You're probably not going to win them, like Louisiana Lafayette. Um, dare I say even Arkansas State, even though South Alabama has a two-game winning streak against them right now. Sorry. I, I can't promise you anything. I can't, I can't <laughs> okay, I know. We've talked about how unpredictable your roster is. But it's still a pretty good schedule. But, man, you got to make all the hay at the front end where you got Southern Miss, Alcorn State. you got Bowling Green, maybe the worst team in FBS. Those are your first three games. Um, then you start. You got your Texas State. All that's up front. And back, you got App State, Tennessee, Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State. It is a hard finish. So Kane Womack needs to get off to a fast start because that schedule will not forgive him later. Yeah, absolutely. Just like Doug said, it's definitely back uh, front loaded to the good, back loaded to the bad. Uh, if you can get off to a four and two start, that's great, or maybe even five and one. But if you don't, you're in real trouble in terms of having a winning record, being in contention for a bowl game. South Alabama's never finished with the winning record. They've been in a couple of bowl games, but actually lost it to finish six and seven. Uh, but, yeah, it is interesting they opened with Southern Miss because if they had kept the original schedule last year, that opener would have been grambling, which, you know, it had been a new stadium and there would have been some excitement. But the fact that it's Southern Miss, which before South Alabama had football, Southern Miss was almost treated like a home team here. Uh, the mm -hmm. local newspaper actually had a beat writer that covered Southern Miss football at the time. And, um, you know, it's just down the road, 90 minutes if you really drive fast. Um, Kane Womack is a, is a Southern Miss grad. Uh, played foot, finished his football career there. His wife is from Hattiesburg originally, so there's a lot of connections there. Will Hall is from the state of Alabama, the new coach at Southern Miss. He actually was uh, the quarterback at North Alabama when Joel Erdman, the athletic director at South Alabama, was the AD at North Alabama. So there's all kind of connections between the two schools. You know, I've always thought they should be in the same conference, but the fact that they're playing is really cool. I, I, I wish they would play every year, to be honest with you. Yeah, Craig, you, you mentioned something that I have a question for both you and Doug on it because it's kind of a a high-end 30,000-foot question about South Alabama. And uh, you were talking about how, uh, you know, not finishing with a winning record and, and that type of thing. It seems like South Alabama always is on that cusp of greatness. And when South Alabama hired Steve Campbell, I really thought that was it. That was the key. You, you need a guy like Steve who had, you know, a great career at UCA, knew how to win games. He was going to bring South Alabama to the upper tier of the Sun Belt and make some waves. And that just didn't quite happen. Are the pieces in place finally in Mobile for South Alabama to take that next step up? I think it, you know, it certainly seems like, and I agree with you about Campbell. I was very much in favor of that hire. I knew him before he was uh, at South Alabama because I'd covered him when he was a junior college coach in Mississippi. And he had won at every level. Uh, but I think the, the issue once they got here uh, was that he and his staff just did not have the experience recruiting at the FBS level. They just were not able to get the kind of players that you needed to win here. You know, Womack coming in certainly at the, you know, having coached here, so he's familiar with the territory, has a lot of guys on the staff who recruited in the state. And then, of course, he was in the Big Ten and, you know, made all kind of waves there as a defensive coordinator and brought in some guys who have coached at very high levels, including Major Applewhite and and Michael Smith, the wide receivers coach, who was the wide receivers coach of Kentucky, among other places. Um, so, and, and the fact that they've gone out and got all these uh, transfers, the, the, you know, that's, you know, it's helped everybody, but it's helped them especially. They definitely needed an infusion of talent. I don't know, because the schedule is what it is this year, that they're, you know, an instant contender, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were. 
And, um, you know, I think that we're, they're just kind of getting started on the 2022 recruiting class. I'm really interested to see how that pans out and the fact that they've been able to use the portal. Um, you know, they, they like to sell the idea that of the location, you know, you're near the beach, but not on the beach. And, you know, you're close to a lot of uh, great high school football talent, not only in Mobile, but in Florida and South Mississippi and some other places. Even New Orleans is only a couple hours away if you can tap into that market some. So, you know, I think that there, there's no if, – if they don't win, there's no excuse for it now. I, and, again, I'm not saying that it has to be this year, but if Kane Womack doesn't get it done, uh, I'm not sure what you do after that. I'll, uh, I'll piggyback on to Craig and say that, that I, too, thought Steve Campbell was going to do a great job because of the resume, and, and I really like Campbell. And, and if you talk to him, the guy absolutely knows what he's doing. There's no doubt. But I, I do think that the, the staff maybe wasn't constructed – exactly right and I also think they that they didn't realize this the overall demands of FBS football not not just the recruiting but in a lot of places and, I, and I'll go back a little before Steve Campbell though and I think Joey Jones if they'd have retained him um would have done pretty well he went out and found himself a great defensive coordinator named Kane Womack um he had because the offense was not working he had just let go of Brian Vincent so he obviously would have redone the offensive staff and I think Joey had a good feel for recruiting I thought they did a good job bringing in talented players so I really am curious as to what might have happened had they retained him but but now with, with Womack in charge I'll just tell you I I don't go around talking up South Alabama outside of South Alabama people very much but I think they're going to be a sneaky surprise contender I think all these polls that put them at like third or fourth in the west I think we're looking at a team that's going to be no worse than second in the west and is going to do really really well um Steve Campbell maybe didn't recruit that well, but he developed really well. They had some really developed fundamental guys with a transfer portal coming in. I am banking on Major Applewhite doing a good job and Corey Batum, the defensive coordinator, doing a good job. But I think the pieces are right there for this team to, to come out of the gate quickly in year number one and win seven, eight, even maybe nine games and, and kind of catch a lot of people by surprise. Hey, let's not for, let, hey, let's not, <laughs> yes. Let's not forget they were second in the West last year. It was just a really, really bad Before wins, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I I am assuming that Arkansas State's going to pull their weight this time and make it a a battle for second, at least. (laughs) Jeremy, that shots across the bow as we try to build that rivalry there between South Alabama and Arkansas State. You know, Jeremy's already on the record saying he hates the Jags. When when there was a picture when he was a kid drawing the States, he would erase Alabama every year. It doesn't exist. I mean, we're we're doing everything we can to drive this rivalry as much as we can. I'll drive it for you. You ready for this? I am positive that South Alabama picked Kane Womack over Butch Jones. Butch Jones, I'm pretty sure came back for two interviews for that job. And they decided to go with Womack. So there you go. Well, That's the def- shot across the net. They definitely got uh, Major Applewhite over Arkansas State. We, we know that. We had Major Applewhite. That's what I'm getting at. Hey, I'll say this. I, you know, people – Butch Jones is a goober. I mean, 100%. Uh-huh. Like Mr. Roper on Three's Company level. But the guy's a good <laughs> football coach. I mean, if you look at what Tennessee – had before him and since him, it's not even close. He's the best coach they've had since Phil Fulmer. I mean, you know, they had one year of, of Lane Kiffin, but but the guy's a good coach. I mean, he really is. And um, I, I think he's going to win there. I, I think you're right, Craig. I would not have been upset if he'd have been the higher at South Alabama. I do think he is also a good coach. I think he'll do excellent in Arkansas State. 
he'll be fine at Arkansas State. He's already done a good job uh, kind of changing the culture a bit from one that was really relaxed to one that's a little more focused. But we're not here to talk about Arkansas State. That's true. We're here, we're here to talk State. about the Jags and how they're sons of bitches. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We're here to talk about Jags. And how they're about to make that next step up, and um, and I'm actually a little bit nervous when every time I talk about the Jags because you're right. I think they've taken three out of the last four from Arkansas State. Uh, the West, if if you've already mentioned, I think you already have mentioned that the Jags did come in second last season because the West is kind of up for grabs. You've got the Cajuns uh, who have, have put their stamp on it but it's really ripe for the taking for anybody who can kind of get into that second place. So uh, I think uh, Doug said that he saw nine wins from the Jags. Are we going to Craig, do you see the same type of, of uh, success coming from the Jags this year? I don't know about this year. Again, uh, that schedule at the back end is so tough. And, you know, it's funny. They played Tennessee in November in Knoxville. If they played them in September, they'd have a really good shot of winning that game. Yeah, I don't would. know. I think Tennessee will probably have it a little bit more together by the end of the year. You know, um, I, I, I'm thinking seven. I'm thinking they'll get, get uh, win seven games, get in a bowl game, whichever bowl game that is. Uh, but they're going to have to get the job done early. That was a problem, you know, for t- particularly last year's team. They got out, they, they'd get out to a decent start and just fall apart. I mean, that Tulane game just really kind of, uh, you know, it was so early in the season, but they were up 24 to three. Uh, early in the third quarter and lost 27-24. It was just kind of a microcosm of, of everything they had. They just they didn't make good adjustments at halftime, and I think that they're going to be better coached this year. The talent level is pretty, you know, better, uh, you know, better across the board just because of all the guys they brought in, but it's certainly not worse. So, yeah, I think this is a seven-win team. Uh, I'm going to have to see more. You know, and that's assuming Jake Bentley stays healthy, uh, which he hasn't been able to do the last couple of years. Well, you hey, know. Craig, so just to go in that real quick, the, the two-lane microcosm is, is, a, is a perfect example. He nailed that because I, I think the reason they couldn't hold that lead was because the offensive line was non-existent by the second half. The right. offense could generate nothing, and, and the defense played base, and that's what they did all season long. They played nothing but base. They did not try to confuse any offenses, and, and so they got taken advantage of in the second half of every game because by the second half, you know exactly what's coming. Um, right. I think Kane Woman's very creative with blitzing. Um, they're not going to let defense, I mean, offenses relax. And on offense, you know, finally a good offensive line. Um, at some point, we got to talk about Kareem Walker, who is probably the only hope for a responsible running attack by the Jaguars this year. Well, all right. We were talking about, you were talking about the running game. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm stepping on everybody's toes. I see what you did there, Jeremy. <laughs> Dusty, you're the one who mentioned how bad the running game was for the Jaguars these last couple of years. And now, they, according to Doug, the team has brought in a, a, at least five transfers, n- new beef. Was it the offensive line that was the problem, or is it the scheme that was the problem, or is the running backs that are the problem? And has it been fixed? Well, look, Craig Stevenson is a former offensive lineman, so I'm going to let him take, this, <laughs> take it, Craig. Uh, it was definitely the offensive line to me. I thought Carlos Davis was a pretty good back, and the other guys were serviceable. Jared Wilson – uh, in particular, had some moments. If Kareem Walker is anywhere what they think he's going to be, uh, he can be that bell cow guy. He's a guy that was highly recruited out of high school, uh, you know, signed with Michigan. I mean, if he's good enough to play at Michigan, again, I, you know, I'm not taking shots at the Sun Belt when I say this, but if you can play at Michigan, you can play at South Alabama. 
the offensive line, though, is going to be really interesting because, again, I don't know about day one, but they brought in four guys, Antoine Lewis from Louisiana Tech, who won the starting right tackle job uh, in the spring, then three guys over the summer, James Jackson from Mississippi State, who's a center, and Terrius Gray, who's a guard from North Texas, and then a couple of uh, tackles, uh, Justin Stevens from Michigan State, and Ja'Kai Baker, I believe is how it's pronounced, from South Southeast Missouri. I would say Baker, Jackson, Gray are all going to be starters this year. And, uh, you know, these are guys that have, have played at a reasonably high level, even though Baker is an FCS guy. Um, you know, I don't know much about Gordon Steele as an offensive line coach. He's the son of Kevin Steele, the longtime uh, SEC defensive coordinator. Um, so he's kind of a, uh, an unknown quantity, but just in terms of talent, they're, they're light years away ahead of where they were last year. Yeah, Craig's right in that I think Gordon Steele is the X factor here because we just don't know what he can do as an offensive line coach. Been an analyst at Alabama for the last two or three years. He was an offensive line coach for Murray State at one point earlier in his career. But, you know, Murray State, I think that was during the Chris Hatcher era there when they threw the ball 80 times a game. So it's hard to know what he could do. So, so they gave him a bunch of talent. There's a few holdovers that might be able to play, but we're going to see now if he can mold them into something helpful. And, and uh, Kareem Walker, I say the hopes on him because Jared Wilson is probably the best back remaining now from the from the group, and he's okay. Uh, may, with a good line, everyone's going to look better, but but it's got to be competent enough so that so that any quarterback can get back there and can hand the ball off or do a quick pop pass based on the read and and just be ready to make the offense go. He's got to get that time, and they weren't getting that time last year. So really, this conference this year is is the top is Coastal at. Louisiana Lafayette, what team out of that kind of the field outside of South Alabama do you see maybe kind of surprising somebody and jumping up into the middle or even the top part of that, those, those conference standings? I'm going to say Texas State um, because I, I do know they were close on several games last year. They brought in another load of transfers. I think they have one high school guy they're bringing in. Everybody else is a transfer or a junior college guy. I think they're close. Um, Spavitol does kind of have an air of desperation around him. He's had that since he got there, um, which makes me wonder. But but I, I think they've got enough pieces in place. I think they got enough coaching. I think they're gonna they're gonna jump up to be a team that that's gonna be somewhere close to a winning program this year, which is gonna be better than usual for them, and, and maybe even have a chance to go for that second place spot that South Alabama's gunning for too. Yeah, I like that pick, Doug. And you know, I, I've said what I said about Arkansas State as well. I think they're on the rise. Georgia State was a team that really impressed me when I saw them twice last year. They came down here for the bowl game as well, in addition to playing uh, South Alabama. I think Sean Elliott's a really good coach. Quad Brown is an excellent quarterback. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not sure, you know, I haven't really examined their depth chart a lot or how many of the guys they lost, but I really thought they were moving up. And, uh, you know, Georgia Southern is a team that's given South Alabama fits for years. But I, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, there may be nobody – no group of fans more happy to see shy Wirtz leave than South Alabama fans because he terrorized them for four years. I mean, he was good regardless, but he killed South Alabama every time he played them. Yeah. I think Georgia Southern fans were actually, there's a faction as well. that were ready to see shy leave as well. Uh, we're kind of shocked that he landed at Louisville. Uh, that was, that was a great uh, uh, little app state Southern rivalry. And there's, there's not quite a fan base like those folks down there in Statesboro. Uh, I, I would argue there uh, that when they saw that Vegas line of the over under win totals at three and a half, they, they may have burned a couch or two. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I will say, I don't want to sell 
Arkansas State or Georgia State short when I was picking Texas State. That's because I, I am assuming you guys are going to be pretty good. So I didn't think you're going to – you're not going to surprise me. Uh, but you know another team I would pick? Just because I'm going to kiss the butt of the hosts. That would be ULM, which I honestly – it's not that I think they'll be bad or good. I don't know what to think about ULM. So I'm looking forward to see what happens. My bold hey. prediction has been double wins from last year. There you go. Yes, Terry Bowden is a really good coach and has won everywhere he's been. Now, we said that about Steve Campbell before he got in the Sun Belt. But <laughs> All right. Terry Bowden, I mean, there are very few people who can coach better on game day than Terry Bowden. I'm telling you, the guy knows what he's doing. Now, can he recruit? I don't know. But he can X and O with anybody. You know, it's Rod is his OC. Come on, man. That's, that's the storyline to me. That's what jumped out when that hire was made. Hey, do we want to talk a little bit since we've got the two experts here? What they think the Sun Belt's going to look like in two years with all this conference? Yeah, let's do it, man. Hell, it might be next year. <laughs> it could be tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll take a yeah. shot at that. Um, Go ahead. I, I think when you talk about the Sun Belt, I don't see it changing dramatically because the conference perception-wise, right above them is Conference USA, but we all know in reality, Conference USA is not above the Sun Belt. So if Commerce USA gets hit and poached and they try to come after the Sun Belt, I don't think that's movement. That's not going to happen. I, I think the most likely scenario for a changing Sun Belt is that they manage to pick off a couple of Conference USA teams, um, notably something like Southern Miss. I know Marshall fans have expressed a lot of interest in getting out of Conference USA and being in a conference with Appalachian State. Um, mm -hmm. I think that is, is a more likely avenue as opposed to the Sun Belt getting, getting picked off by somebody else at this point. Because I don't think if you're the AAC, you see, a, you see a program in the Sun Belt that is one that you would want to get. Now, you might look at a UAB. I think UAB is going to be the bell of the ball if this stuff starts happening. I think, I think Charlotte, even though they haven't performed that well, is in a great metro area too. I see teams like that being an AAC target if they have to backfill. Um, I think the Sun Belt actually is going to be either very stable or in a position to actually cherry pick from Conference USA. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, obviously the difference is that, that the Sun Belt is affiliated with ESPN and, and Conference USA is not. And, um, you know, we, we tend to forget that it's actually a 12-team league because Little Rock and, and Arlington don't play football. But it's really almost a perfect setup because you have two teams in Texas, two teams in Arkansas, two in Louisiana, two in Alabama, two in the Carolinas, two in Georgia. Um, so – you know, you would like to secure your foothold. I think Southern Miss will be a great fit for the Sun Belt just because it's just so similar to everybody else. But, you know, I don't know that in terms of TV markets or, or, or fan bases, it add, would add a whole lot. Um, you know, it, it's all going to be – it depends on the trickle down. I mean, if the Big 12 decides to remain the Big 12 and, and uh, you know, add teams from the AAC, then obviously everything's going to trickle down you know, probably from the, to the, to the AAC, to the Sun Belt after that. Um, but if the big 12 just blows up and a bunch of teams go to the AAC and a bunch go to the, you know, if Kansas was were to go to the big 10 or West Virginia to the ACC or whatever it is, then it's going to be a totally different scenario. Um, you know, and the funny thing is you can see some teams that don't necessarily you, you don't even you don't think would be Sunbelt team maybe wind up in the Sunbelt because you got to remember when the Big 12 was created the first time TCU wound up in the whack mm. you know I mean it, it, it because they had nowhere else to go 
So if, uh, you know, either a reconstituted Big 12 or, or whatever it is leaves out some big name programs, it's possible you could see a, you know, I'm just throwing a dart here, Kansas State or Texas Tech would wind up in the Sun Belt somewhere. Yes! See, I don't no, think it's going to no. happen. But. What, what I heard Craig say was, Commissioner Thibodeau, you are correct in extending that offer to the Idaho Vandals. No, <laughs> come on. No. I Bring back we, New Mexico State. No. You talk about a thumb in the eye, by the way. The last game New Mexico State played in the Sun Belt, which is also the last game of Joey Jones's career, a guy from Grand Bay, Alabama, caught the game-winning touchdown. It was unbelievable. You know, that same year, another game that helped help enjoy Jones's career is they're playing Idaho. They're they're beating Idaho. They look better than Idaho. A freak lightning storm comes out, delays yeah. the game for hours, and when it comes back, a, a bad series of calls by the refs and a couple of mistakes by South Alabama, and they lose that game in overtime, and that really set things Hold back. Hold on, Doug. There were two lightning delays in that game. <laughs> right, there was there was one in double overtime when they were lining up to kick a field goal. Oh my god! It was like a two and a half hour delay, and then like a forty minute delay. Yeah, that was one of the longest Nothing days worse. of my life. So what you can take from that then is don't have Idaho in the Sun Belt. No, agree. That means that all are at the Kimmy Dome, but where you can't have a lightning delay. Oh god! They should have paid another fifty million dollars to get a roof on this place. Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah craig where can we find you man uh i'm in mobile is that what you're asking me no I'm <laughs> no i mean where can we find you? No. al.com yeah, where can we physically yeah. find you and check yeah. you a- al.com slash usa is where you can find myself alabama coverage i'm also on twitter at craig stevenson it is c-r-e-g s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s-o-n and that sounds like that name spelled that way has been a burden for me and it has but I can get any username I want, baby. <laughs> yeah, Craig's a good follow, so I encourage everybody to follow him. How about you, Doug? Where can we find you? And I don't mean physically, I mean uh, digitally. <laughs> That's too bad because I'm appearing uh, for three nights at Holiday Inn. Um, <laughs> no, um, I uh, am at jagsjungle.com, 24-7 sports network at 247.southalabama. Find me there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Doug Conkle. Doug spelled the traditional way. Conkle spelled the traditional way, but people don't know it. K-O-N-K-E-L. Uh, I will admit, I'm not a great follow on Twitter. I, I envy you guys. I just never have the time, it seems, to sit down and think of something clever to say and put it out there. I just retweet South Alabama stuff. So that, that's, yeah. that's my deal on Twitter. As, as Wright Thompson famously said, the only thing that Twitter can do is get your ass fired. <laughs> I'm doing all right then. Well, I've lost some good jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you joining us, fellas. Uh, it was a all great right. session. Le- le- learned a ton about South Alabama. Appreciate your uh, your time, and, and obviously, we'll uh, we'll follow you here as uh, as preseason camp gets underway, and, and the season will be uh, uh, you know shortly thereafter. All right. Thanks for Thank having me. Much. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. 
Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.